I'm WSB's Eric Erickson. The WSB 24-hour breaking news center is active. That guarantees you'll hear breaking news, weather, and traffic alerts immediately during Hannity and during Atlanta's evening news 5 to 7. Depend on it. Now it's time for Jamie Dupree. The most connected man in D.C. on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington. By the way, at the bottom of this hour, Rudy Giuliani, who said, I do not believe, and I know it's a horrible thing to say, that I don't believe the president loves America. Then he went on to explain it in detail, what he meant. He'll join us at the bottom of this coming half hour. Then we have two experts on Islam, including, uh, who's going to join us, Daniel Akbari, who was imprisoned and tortured in Iran for converting to Christianity. Going to tell us his story, and then we'll analyze what it is that people read in the Quran that causes them to kill infidels and to label apostasy and the penalty for which is death and what Daniel Akbari actually went through. Jamie, how are you? All right, Sean, how are you doing today? Huge amount of reaction to this three-day summit on extremism that, by the way, you can't mention extremism. Yeah, you know, uh, just from the basic name of it, I have to say as a reporter, uh, violent extremism just it sounds almost like a, a bureaucratic type of term. And, and I think it, it's obvious this week that the White House has heard some of the criticism out there, which frankly has come mainly from Republicans, but from some Democratic quarters as well. I mean, it's obvious that there's been this semantic almost gymnastics in recent weeks uh, in the administration at the White House not to use Islamic terrorism or anything like that. There was an interesting article I read, uh, I think it was yesterday, about how the Bush administration also wrestled at times with the whole issue of what to call it. But I think back then the the, the, the argument eight years ago was maybe more uh, of Democrats, sort of the, they thought the pendulum had gone too far in pushing the war on terror and more. But in today's speech by the president at the State Department, he followed some of the same themes from yesterday and and really uh, tried to draw a distinct line saying that Islam is not the problem, that it's violent parts of Islam. But obviously, for a lot of Republicans, uh, what the president's been saying lately just doesn't cut in, as we've discussed a number of times. I'm certain we're going to hear a lot more about it as they argue overall, the Republicans do, that the president is pushing a weak foreign policy. They have no problem pointing out, quote, uh, crimes done in the name of Christ. I've never heard the president say crimes in the name of Muhammad or crimes in the name of Allah. Have you? Can you name a time? Uh, not. I'm, I'm, I don't have the record from me, but no, it's not, definitely not something that he's always seemed to draw that line or not take that extra step. I mean, again, uh, looking back eight years ago, so, you know, we had a lot no. of Democrats who felt like that George W. Bush had gone too far. And now we seem to have the pendulum swung uh, all the way back the other way. But I do think it does play into any and even this has been acknowledged by some Democrats that there's been this extra effort by the administration not to say certain things. And, you know, OK, I get it that they're trying not to draw a direct line. And why doesn't at, that exist for the name of Jesus? Crimes in the name of Jesus. Why does that? Uh, why not? Why did he mention the Crusades? Why did Joe Biden mention what he mentioned yesterday about Christians? Why, hey, they have no I problem think, labeling Christians. Yeah, it's it certainly raised a lot of question in GOP circles, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And 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 the summit this week, you know, it was interesting. I listened to today's speech, and there wasn't it was an it was it was odd in the sense that it wasn't really a speech that was meant for applause or anything, Sean. But there was no polite applause during the speech at all. It was all just a straight speech and then applause at the end. And it, it just uh, some of the headlines said it, it seemed the president was doubling down on his uh, rhetoric from earlier this week. I wonder what the president would say if 21 Muslims were beheaded by Christians. Would he mention that they were beheaded by Christians? I mean, because he wouldn't acknowledge that the the people that were beheaded on the beaches of the Mediterranean this weekend. You watched it. I watched it. 
uh, were Christian. I thought it was interesting, and it would almost seem to me that, in, especially in yesterday's speech and a little in today's, that he was, in a sense, acknowledging the criticism that he's heard. Oh, yeah, he's now acknowledging it, and but they still didn't. They also had this guy at the summit that had stated after 9-11 that the Jews could be suspect and should be suspects in terms of the 9-11 hit. You knew he was at the conference, right? I, I didn't hear anything about that, no. Yeah, well, we brought it up on radio and TV yesterday. Anyway, you know, the other thing that's happening is, uh, here's the case that I, I, I've read Rudy's comments, and I've known Rudy Giuliani for a long time. He did not say this out of a vacuum. He, and, and this is the case that I think he's making, is that Jimmy Carter, you know, even Jimmy Carter, even Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, talked about American exceptionalism. He wouldn't recognize American exceptionalism. Well, like the Greeks, they believe in the American exceptionalism. This goes back to the Apology Tour. This goes back to the man that worshipped in in Jeremiah Wright's GD Church, America's Chickens, Home to Roost. This is a guy that started his political career in Bill Ayer's home. This is a guy that was a disciple of Frank Marshall Davis and Saul Alinsky and, and part of the Acorn community. And this is a guy that wants to fundamentally transform the country. Now, I'll use an example. You love your wife, right? Darn right I do. You love your kids, right? You got it. Do you want to fundamentally transform them? Into something better, maybe, yes. Not fundamentally transform them. You may no. want to, like, for example, you may want to... Soften the edges here and there, yes. Yeah, but fundamentally, you don't want to transform that which you already love. This isn't Jeopardy, you know. You don't get. You only get so much time to answer. That's called, oh, sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to answer anything else. Yeah. I was waiting for you to go next. Fundamental transformation. You don't want to fundamentally transform that which you already love. So it's, you know, you go back to the Apology Tour. You go back to the, 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 the greatest influences in his life, including radicals like Ayers and Dorn, and you begin to see that there is the emergence, you know, of somebody that doesn't believe in American exceptionalism, feels a compul compulsion to go out and apologize, wants to fundamentally change America. I think that's where his, you know, and then you have stupid comments by the State Department moron that, you know, says, well, we need a jobs program for terrorists. That's what we need, a jobs program. Well, we certainly have a fundamentally different way that the two parties uh, are, are talking about foreign policy and talking about the role of the United States and more. And, you know, as we've discussed, certainly Republicans will get an awful lot of chances in coming months to uh, to hammer home this. And I, I, I fully expect that you'll see that as a very big part of the uh, the GOP race. And, you know, that's why part of me sort of wonders as I look at the GOP field right now, the one person that maybe is not as hawkish as the others on foreign policy is Rand Paul. And I would be interested to see how he deals with this in the months ahead as Did well. Did you see the New York Post front cover today? Yeah, with the blindfold on uh, the president. Blindfold on the president, Islamic terror, I just don't see it. I've never seen a headline like that. And the New York Post is known for their headlines, as is the Daily News, the tabloids in New York. I had never seen anything that powerful than what they put there. Uh, what did you think of it? I don't know. It was just, to me, it was another New York Post kind of uh, front cover. I mean, if, if you liked it, it was certainly a big thumbs up. I think, again, we're going to see an awful lot of those kind of attacks from Republicans in the coming months. All right. The other thing and last point on this is, is does anybody know, the prime minister of Israel said that he's going to Washington because I'm the prime minister and my obligation is to do everything in my power to, to prevent the conclusion of a bad deal that would threaten the survival of Israel. And he said the current proposal to Iran would endanger Israel, enable Iran to build its first nuclear device within an unacceptably short period of time, and allow Iran to build an industrial capability to enrich uranium that could provide the fuel for many bombs in coming years. 
and a regime that openly calls for Israel's destruction would thus have finally have the means to realize their genocidal aims. Does anybody know what's in this deal? Does anybody, has any of the details been leaked? I haven't seen anything. I mean, the White House has basically been accusing the Israelis of leaking small details that are not, uh, you know, and not in a broader context. Uh, at the briefing yesterday, I thought that's what Josh Ernest had said at one point, was that uh, accusing the Israelis of leaking parts of the investigation. But no, I don't know of any lawmakers who know some of the inside stuff, or if they do know, they certainly aren't talking about it. One political note, I noticed that Joe Biden was in Iowa last week, South Carolina yesterday, New Hampshire next week. Uh, is he there kind of groping women like he did the defense secretary's wife? How, cre- you know, I, how creepy I, was I, that? I always like to say that the schedule tells a story. And this schedule makes me sort of wonder, because you don't just sort of schedule the vice president to go to Des Moines. You don't just sort of schedule him to go to New Hampshire. You don't just sort of schedule him to go to South Carolina and then step back and say, oh, yeah, that's right. Those are three of the first four states that vote in the presidential race next year. I mean, I don't know if he's going to run, but I would I would think that it would raise a lot uh, fewer eyebrows, Sean, if uh, Joe Biden was going instead to like, you know, Michigan, New York and uh, and Georgia. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, states that are not some of the first few. I still think, and I've always thought, that Biden really does want to run. I know he didn't do very well the last time or the first time he ran, but he certainly has. I mean, he is yeah, one that, of the That few, little plagiarism problem got in the That way. was sort of an issue back in, what was that, 88, I think. You know, yeah. but he is one of the few people in either party that could probably go to just about any major city in any major state and be able to immediately draw on people. Uh, I mean, he certainly has uh, the the breadth of uh, of knowing people from all through the years. If he wants to run, I, I don't know if he if he really is going to pull the trigger. He has said that he was going to decide by later this summer. That's pretty interesting. All right, so Congress is back next week, and now we've had the court decision in the interim about immigration. Yeah, and still no change at this point in time from anybody. Uh, uh, about the issue of, you know, what we're going to do with the funding. I don't sense the Democrats are backing down on their Senate filibuster. I don't sense the Republicans are backing down, but there still are some GOP voices out there that say, you know what, they should just pass a, a clean Department of Homeland uh, uh, Security funding bill and be done with it and just let the courts sort this out. I do think that uh, it is interesting that what that that ruling came down late Monday night. It's now Thursday. The administration, I'm not saying they're not going to appeal. They've made it very clear they are. But this tells me they're not going to seek an emergency stay if we've waited this long. But we'll have to see. But I I certainly get the feeling, Sean, that this is going to be a while. The White House was not guessing this week at all as to how long the immigration actions would remain on hold. You know, if you're going to go to the Fifth Circuit, if you're going to have hearings. They've concluded they're going to lose in the Fifth Circuit, and they probably suspect they'd lose in the Supreme Court. Well, then it's going to take a while to get there, right? Uh, well, true. I mean, it could. But, it, but it's still, the the stay would, would be in place, I would assume, in the interim. If not in Texas, you still got 25 other states. I agree. And so it makes you wonder how much of this is really on the back burner at this point in time. And it, certainly it depends on what happens in higher courts. But uh, I'm, I'm just sort of interested in standing back and looking at the administration and not seeing them move real swiftly. Now, maybe they're putting together extensive briefs and more like that, and we'll have those in coming days. But still nothing official from them and nothing really official out of the Congress. I just get the sense from GOP lawmakers and leaders that they're not going to move. They're going to try to force the Democrats to move in the Senate and allow that bill up for a vote, at least on the amendments dealing with DACA and the other programs right, so in the President's immigration actions. Your, your earlier prediction that maybe a week from now next weekend that we're going to go into the weekend quote with 
on record, the Department of Homeland Security shut down and then it reopens on Monday. That would be my bet right now. I mean, let's for a second. Quickly so they're going to try and get everybody worked up into a frenzy. Yeah, quickly put yourselves in the shoes of both parties. The Democrats will say, you know, it's the end of the world. We could have a terrorist attack, those terrible Republicans. The Republicans, I think, would like to focus it just on the Senate Democrats and say, hey, you know, have you figured out how a bill becomes a law? You have a vote in the House and a vote in the Senate. And because Democrats are not even allowing the bill to come to the Senate floor, I think right now that that's where Republicans, a lot of Republicans would like to be. Now, the problem is this, Sean. There are a number of Republicans, a couple in the Senate, who have already said, you know what, that's just not the right thing to do. So watch some of those voices to see if any of them start they? to crack. Name names. Well, Mark Kirk has said he thinks there should be a clean bill. I think Jeff Flake has said that. John McCain has said something similar. So watch yeah. what the, some uh, some of those have to say in the next couple of days. You know, the these, bottom these, line these is still, people don't know how to win. These people the don't know how to is fight. This. I don't think that uh, the votes are even there to in the Senate to keep the DACA language in and the other language that votes not might not be there either. But right now, we certainly don't know what the Democrats filibuster. Yeah, but don't worry. The administration is now talking about uh, taking in Syrian refugees which could become a ticket for ISIS members if they can persuade people that they're just all innocent people. You hear about that debate? No, I did not. I heard about that the uh, uh, we've signed a deal with the Turks at this point in time just to, uh, to train some of the Syrian rebels to send them in against the Islamic State. Well, well we actually... It did, did, well, you got to remember, Jamie, the Islamic State is not Islamic, according to your president. It's just a state. Okay. All right. Uh, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man See in you, Washington. Sean. When we come back, Rudy Giuliani says... That, uh, well, he doesn't believe that the president loves America. He's come under fire. He doesn't care. He'll explain his position. That's next. Hey, listen, all of us wake up different times. Linda's expecting the baby, what, in July? And she's had a few sleepless nights, uncomfortable. She gets a little cranky around here, yells at me, takes it out on me. Gives me the finger all the time and whatever I... I'm giving it to you right now. It's, yeah. It looks wonderful, doesn't it? All right, but you you have said that GenuCell is taking care of the bags and the puffiness under your eyes on those mornings that you're really tired. I haven't noticed. You look beautiful as usual. As me. always. 100%. That's the right answer. 100%. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. When you started complaining the other day about how you look, what did I say? You look beautiful. I said that in front of your husband, Lenny. He was on the on the speaker. He knows that answer by heart, too. I, that wasn't by heart. I said that having a child is a beautiful thing. But you're saying that GenuCell takes away the bags and puffiness. That's correct. Some of the things it takes away from me, GenuCell gives back. Susan from New Jersey. I've been using GenuCell. Uh, GenuCell, by the way, is plant stem cell technology. Gets away bags and puffiness, guaranteed within 12 hours. Or guess what? You get your money back, no questions asked. Susan says, I've been using it for a couple of months. Puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet, small lines have all disappeared. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, my cheekbones, my eyelids. Now, my wife's been using GenuCell, and, and she loves it. She's been using Chamonix products now for, what, 16 years since I got to first know these guys. They're amazing. And it's always the highest quality. If you don't like it, GenuCell doesn't work for you in 12 hours, guaranteed, your money back, no questions asked. And if you order GenuCell right now, you get the legendary Esotique face cream absolutely free. Uh, so make this deal. Call 800-SKIN-509, 800-SKIN-509. Nothing to lose except bags and puffiness. When you call Chamonix at 800-SKIN-509, 800-SKIN-509. Call now. 
hours a day is all we ask on the Sean Hannity Show. So please join us, but just don't be late. Sean Hannity is on. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.